I'm James Ingram, and welcome to Make My Logo Bigger, where we speak with creatives in the ad business. It's our pleasure to welcome our good friend Jamie Guilford to this installment of Make My Logo Bigger. The son of a magazine owner whose business model relied heavily on ad sales, Jamie has a special place in his heart for advertising and the wild ride it can be. After working in the family business for 10 years selling media, he left to continue his immersion in the industry as a copywriter at M5. Jamie saw an opportunity in the market and started Aquatique Translation Services in 2014. Since then, they've worked for and continue to work with most of the bigger Atlantic Canadian and ad agencies and a number of national and international agencies as well. This unique background paired with a real estate license and a passion for helping people understand investment properties and commercial real estate, we've got a lot of ground to cover. Jamie, welcome. How are you? Oh, I'm really happy to be here. It's a right beautiful day. It is beautiful. Well, let's just see where this goes. Let's just dive in. So the first question I have is, can you give us some background on your personal professional journey up until now? Yeah, for sure. So I'm from Dartmouth. My family's been on the same piece of land there for over 100 years. Definitely love Dartmouth, maybe a little too much at times. And um, Great place, Dartmouth. Yeah, it's uh, not everyone thinks that, but I, I think it's changed and the perception of it's changed over the years. But yeah, it's home for me, for sure. And um, French was a big part of my life growing up. So I did yeah. French immersion. I was the second class to do that. Yes. And I didn't like it at the time. I thought it was a drag and uh, my parents kind of made me do it. But then it ended up opening a lot of doors for me. I ended up uh, studying abroad in France for a year and oh, a half. Excellent. And I did a French degree at Dow. And then it just sort of fell into place that that was, saw the opportunity later on coming up through the ad agency that uh, I eventually started my translation company. And so about... Thanks, mom and dad. Yeah, no, definitely. And I have to thank them for that. Yeah. Uh, and I would say for the... Certainly it's been... We started in 2014 and it's changed over the last year or two, but traditionally like 90% of the work we do is from English into French. Yeah. And uh, there's still a pretty big demand for that here in the country. Um, whether people want to, I guess there's some amount of it that a lot of organizations just have to but it's not a super crowded marketplace. Yeah. And so you started just to kind of quickly go through your journey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So no, no, problem. it's all good. So you, where you're, you started, you've just described your university. Yeah. So when I came out of university, I actually went and worked yes. for the Oregans and I, my first kind of real job was selling cars for yeah. them. And I learned a lot there about, uh, you know, just direct sales. Yes. And I'm passionate about cars too. So that was, uh, in relationships with people, right? You can't sell cars without, I don't think, forming those relationships. Yeah, and I think that I, I was strong in that job as well, too, because I've never been someone who's like a hard sales kind of guy. Yeah. I like to be, uh, I want people to leave any kind of sales experience with me as with a good feeling saying this guy, you know, he knows the product Yeah. Um, to understand what their needs are and then to kind of work backwards from there to figure out what works best for them and to want them to leave with a good product and for them to be able to recommend me. And that that stayed true in kind of all yeah. the businesses that I've pursued since then. I think that philosophy is, you know, applies to a lot of different disciplines. Yeah. And I, I think it's good, just a good way to live in life. And I, I would yes. say it sort of ties into my personal ethics and yeah, just the way that I want to be. I like to please people and I want to do well by them. And, yeah. uh, you know, I want to, I want to have good relationships and not just trying to make a quick buck or anything that's like a, that. That's a solid philosophy. So I left there and then went to work for my father's business. So uh, he owned and managed uh, uh, Progress magazine. So he had a number of different magazines that he ran, but Progress was kind of the center one. And it was all about business and entrepreneurs in Atlantic Canada. Yeah. 
And that he started kind of down that trajectory, I guess, in the 90s and was a different culture in Atlanta, Canada back then uh, with regards to entrepreneurship. I can remember those days. I can remember getting we would get reached out to, um, you know, to do to do photo shoots for some people that were being. Yeah. So it's uh, it was magazine. And I don't know that I appreciated it as much at the time, but I would say it's really shaped um, my mentality now and that. And that was one of the great, you know, my dad was a an influential person and I had a great relationship with him, but you know, still a, a person and an imperfect person. But uh, one of the really cool things I got from him at a young age was that you can do it on your own. If you believe in something and you're going to go yes. out and get it and chase after it, uh, the only person that's going to stop you is you. Yeah. And I think there's much more of a kind of hustle culture in the world now. And that's a, a more common thing. But at the time, I'd say that was a little bit less common. And in, in Atlanta, Canada, maybe too, where yes. there's sort of a mindset here hasn't always been the way that it is. So that was awesome. And, and in fact, when I eventually left there, uh, and we, I think we'll maybe come back to that about how the magazine business changed. And, and ultimately, that was his business and yes. his passion. And I learned I wouldn't be where I am if not for that. But there came a time when it was like, okay, this isn't my baby. And I had been really, I would say I'm a creative person and I, I liked writing for the magazine. I, I had the opportunity to do writing, but my dad was always like, you know, there's not, the money is not in that for their business model was about selling ads. And yes. so that was my job first and foremost. I did get to do writing and some editing and I'd say that's a strength of mine, but the job was changing and I needed to move on. And so I had the opportunity to go work at M5 and I worked as a copywriter there for a couple of years. And that was an amazing experience as well. Uh, I would say I'm not necessarily the best employee, perhaps. Uh, Nor am I. I'm a good entrepreneur. And I, I, when it's something that I can really throw myself behind, I'm all about it. But um, the sort of structure of a nine to five working for someone else, I I can sometimes start to goof off a little bit maybe. Well, and you probably had other things going on too. Yeah, and, and it really sort of came to this fork in the road for me where I I had seen basically what was happening with the, at the time. So I was writing for them and I was in Moncton. Yeah. And so in Moncton, especially like everything had to be done in French and English. Yes. And part of my job was to just liaise with the translators and they were very slow to turn things around. They would not even ask or try to dig into the creative briefs or anything like that. They yeah. would just take the copy and translate it. And I also saw that it was very expensive. And so far as agency life, you know, it's a it's a different type of world where there's, you know, you're you're res- responsible to serve another client. Yes. The timelines are crazy, yeah. especially with translation. It, translation would have been one of the last steps, right? It, that's it. So oftentimes it would be Friday afternoon. So everybody's five, used like, up all the time. They've used up all the time. They're like, okay, send it to the translators. And so. Yeah. What was happening is there was no translation agency that I could find that was understanding about that. So when I launched my company, the goal was, okay, I'm going to go because I had a network in the the agency world. I was like, I'm going to go after these clients. I understand the challenges that they have. I understand kind of how that world works. We're going to do a very good job. And I think sort of as I've, I've gotten into other businesses, I think one of the number one foundations has to be that the work has to be exceptional. It's everything. So I knew that if we had very good work that we could do and our prices were reasonable and then we could serve all these other little things that no one else was hitting on, yeah, that we would succeed. And yeah, that was in 2014 that I left there and a lot of people in my life were like, oh, this is a great idea in theory, but you know, you've got a, a mortgage and a family yeah. and people who rely on you. Uh, you can't just 
go start over right now. And I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to. And, uh, yeah, there's not to say that there weren't difficult times there and, you know, a lot of uncertainty. And I think that is maybe the entrepreneurs. Oh, there's no question. I mean, what you're describing, only somebody with that bent would do that. And I I think it just was like, I had to do it. Um, my mindset has changed even more so since my father's passed away, but you know, he, he died fairly suddenly and I had sorry to hear that. Oh, I appreciate that. And it's, uh, you know, it's something everyone has to go through ultimately. And I hadn't really dealt with death a lot before that. And I came to realize, you know, you can make plans and you can stress over things and you get caught up in your little world. But at the end of the day, um, you've only got so many days and you don't know when that's going to stop. And are you using your time well? And at the end of it, are you going to be able to say, hey, I did what I wanted to do. I put my mark on it. And so now I would say that's something that I I think about mortality a lot. And some people think that's morbid or it's, oh, that's, but I would say if you don't dwell on it, but rather gain energy from it and kind of use it to influence your decisions, not yeah. always, but, you know, to some extent, I would say it's it's made me push, continually push myself out of my comfort zone and chase after big things that I, many people would say, and even myself would be like, oh, I can't do that. And I was like, well, you know, I won't know if I don't try. Yeah. It, it's funny, you know, listening to you speak about this, because I'm, I'm like, yep, yep. Yeah, I've, I may have gone through the same thing. And, you know, this business about people saying maybe you can't do that. I have a good friend of mine, Brian Fader, has been on the show and he loves that. He His whole mantra is tell me I can't do something. It provides energy. <laughs> it it, it really gives you energy does. to the right person. It's like that com- that incoming is like, oh, OK, well, I'll show you. I'm Now I'm even more fired up to try it. I would say I'm not a super competitive person in general, except for certain instances. And when people yeah. who I maybe don't get off with Im- yeah. immediately that yeah. they kind of doubt me and they, you know, don't think I can do it, that tends to stick with me and actually yeah. really push me. But well, you know, I think that uh that those people are important in a sense because they provide you with the motivation. I remember listening to Jordan's uh documentary and it's a you know, he's famously like crackers competitive, but he would find things, he would seek them out the opponent saying something disparaging against him and he would onboard that and use that as uh fuel. Yeah, and I, I think that's the true of me as well too. Yeah. There's been certain and not a ton of them, but there there are certain moments that were defining in my life. It's like, okay, well, this is I'm gonna show him, even though that yeah, that person may never even think of me again. That sticks with me. And I'm like, well, I just yeah. I need to know that I can do that. Yeah, and this need to have your own thing, to be in charge of your own, build your own thing, I think is overriding, right? In entrepreneurs. Yeah, definitely. I, I think for me, part of it is, you know, with my dad, it's not, he, he had a great influence. Like he, he really did big things. He helped sort of, I guess, be a cheerleader for many people to find their own growth and path forward. But he wasn't necessarily the best businessman. Yeah. And um, financially, like I didn't always know about this, but it was, you know, later in yeah. life. And as, as he came to pass, it was kind of like, oh, things were not as rosy, rosy as we yeah. thought. And so that was, I don't want to say traumatic, but it definitely influenced me in that I don't want to ever be left with nothing because I didn't move fast enough. So yeah. I'd say a, a little bit of, you know, just trying to prove that I can do things, but also being like, I need to protect myself because no one else is going to. Well, do that's the other me. thing. No one's coming, right? When you work for yourself, no one's coming to save you. You got to save yourself, right? Or you and your team. Yeah. And um, things are changing right now. The world oh. isn't a 
strange place at the moment. It's just accelerated. You know, there used to be these gaps where, you know, change would be, you know, something would happen. And, but it seems like the gaps are closing and it's just that Yeah, I would say, very yeah, fast. I think we maybe come back to it, but like even yep. on a monthly basis now, I, I suspect that by the end of the summer, the world is going to be a dramatically different place than it is. Incredible, right now. isn't it? Yeah. So accelerated. What What are some of the favorite things about working with an agency during your time there? The agency was really awesome. And I, I now haven't really had a real job since then, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so I've been working by myself and kind of isolated, I guess, uh, for a decade now. But I really think that I thrive in that environment, being surrounded by other creative people and being able to bounce ideas. And I, I love the idea of finding, especially sort of atypical ways to get the word out on things i had sort of again it's changing now but i had sort of cracked into the power of youtube uh, reddit especially yeah. and and just finding ways to connect with people um at the magazine they you know selling advertising was a big thing but one of the ones that really did connect with me was sponsorship of events or products or things and i think that's a, a neat way that the way it relates to people so you maybe see an ad on tv and maybe you love there's certain ads that are yeah. just art that you love and appreciate but sponsorship i'd use sports say as an example that yes you, uh, i'm a big f1 fan uh you get in you love the cars and great the series on netflix yeah that's uh definitely awesome and, yeah um can fall in love with this thing and then you love that independently but it happens to have this brand on it yeah that's attached to it and all of a sudden you become connected with that brand as well. And so I think that's really neat when you can align a, a product or an idea or something with something else that people love. And I, yeah. I'd say that's going to be a very powerful, surely it already is, but especially as the media experience tends to change. And I think you're seeing it already with influencers and social media. And it's tough sometimes to maybe know what a, what's being sponsored versus what is just a unnatural uh, endorsement of a product that they love. But yes. Basically, an answer to that in a very long way is that when you can attach product to something that people love, I think that is very exciting and, and just a really neat way to connect with people. Yeah. Agency life. Yeah, I, I do miss that. Uh, now, our company has worked largely with a good portion of the agencies in the, the region, and we continue to Your do Your company, so. which company? Uh, sorry, Aquatique Translation yes, Services. Yes. So we still do, we do a lot of work. We get to see a lot of uh, campaigns and, and work on different projects. But uh, and, and there is still some art on our side, I'd say, especially um, not so much the direct translation, but in a creative adaptation that we'd call it. So you'd get maybe a, a tagline in English or a hashtag or some kind of concept it maybe doesn't translate directly into French or into another language and then what we'll do is in those instances we you know we want to look at the creative brief and understand what the intention is and then instead of just recreating or well actually we are recreating so we would call that in our business adding value okay yeah yeah so it's uh, you try to do that when yeah you're we, not just we get a number spitting of it back out requests on a daily basis a weekly basis let's say because yeah. there's still a certain amount that's just like we just need this in french so yeah turn it into french but yeah. especially taglines uh social media posts the nuance of that and to basically to understand that nuance and then come up with something in the other language that accomplishes that same intention but isn't just because the translation may not work that it has to be something new in the yeah. new language altogether yeah that's right and often it doesn't does it i mean or it doesn't well it's, it's send a bit, out the same message I, I was listening to your episode with 
Sean, uh, or the, one Sean of them King. There. Yeah, yeah, Sean King, exactly. And um, just talking about one of the difficulties in the business of advertising where it's so subjective, right? And yes. you can put your heart and soul into something and then the client's just like, nah, I don't like it. Yeah. Um, at first, and overall, I would say that's one of the things I liked about the business in translation is a lot of times it's just like, you know, this is the product. There's no, you know, we make sure that we're covering our yeah. bases. It's, it's a good product. It's grammatically sound. It's great. But then we also get these activities where it's like, okay, come up with something new for us in French that accomplishes the same. And those are the ones where they're like, oh, well, actually, could you change this? Or we don't right. quite like that. And, and French is a funny thing too, because it varies so wildly, even in from Moncton to Edmonston to Digby to Quebec. Back to yeah, Ottawa. Yeah. And so you get these nuances where they're like, oh, well, we wouldn't say that here. And then oftentimes, like I would say is true in marketing in organizations, like, you know, if you've got a company, you've got an accountant, you've got a lawyer. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, well, there's someone who's got some free time. So they're going to do the marketing. Yeah. Um, in French, sometimes too, you'll have someone in the organization who's like, oh, they're a francophone. So they're going to review all yeah. of this stuff. Remarkable. It's like, well, yeah. You know, so it's that there's a little bit of back and forth. Require a little more expertise than just being able to speak the language. Yeah. Sometimes, but yeah. it's a touchy thing too, and people right. don't want to hear that. So yeah, do a little dance around that. No, but that's the thing about language when you start digging into it, especially French in Canada is so there's so many different nuances. Yes, it's uh, and the people that know they know you you can't fool them. Yeah, and, and it's also interesting seeing how so day one it was just French all the time, and sure. now we do so many more other languages right there's just a lot how many languages are you able to deal with we can do pretty much any language you can name i'd say yeah. that's one of the, the strengths of our company how is, is that, that possible well i've been very active on um, sort of industry associations and boards and yeah. i have a really large network of translators and professional quality translators that have good reputations so yeah. i spend a lot of time working on that and right. have since day one so that if we get a call and it's like hey we need something in german and it's got to be this type of job i can find the right person for the job yeah and so that's true for you know you can say spanish is another one where um, european spanish is very different than south american or yeah even stuff american you would never spanish. think about right and so kind of really taking the time to understand what the clients are looking for mm. and then ensuring that we find the right person that uh, and i'd say that's our big niche is that yeah. uh, there's just not a lot of organizations doing that yeah and we're very much a boutique organization yeah you know there's a a lot of big behemoth international companies uh but that's not our competition i would right. say we're yeah. just a, a small kind of specialized yeah group. That's pretty cool. How many years have you been doing that? So this is our ninth year. Okay, great. It's changing though. Yeah, yeah. I've got some questions around that too. Um, in our chats previous to today, you've mentioned the impending possibility of AI will affect how your translation business functions. This kind of mirrors the obstacles your father would have faced in the magazine owner when the internet came to be. How do you manage this kind of competition in the market? And where do you see the translation services in the coming years? Um, that's a great question. It's a lot there, sorry. It's, yeah. No, no, it's something that I've thought about since day, you know, maybe not day one, but for the last several years, for sure. Yeah. And seeing my dad's business change and you know being the armchair quarterback and looking back on it, it's like okay well they should have maybe started publishing less magazines and focusing more on the events which hindsight were, um but I, I think that hindsight is important to have and that I don't want to go through that same situation where I didn't adapt and then yes. all of a sudden the world's changed around me yeah so AI has been a tool that's used, not like the current chat GPT, but there's specific uh, translation centric ones that have been 
on the go. And it, it's remarkable seeing their evolution. Like when we yeah. started in 2014, Google Translate, you put a, something in there and it was hilarious what would come out on the other side. It made no sense. And then now it, the big change is seeing it start to, and not necessarily Google Translate, but there's some other ones, yes. but where it can understand context and right. idioms. And it's Nuance. like, okay, I hit it out of the park. You understand that's like, well, I did a great job before it would just translate that directly. Yeah. And now the machines are starting to recognize that and then wow. suggest uh, alternate expressions that maybe hit the same mark. It's still not there yet. Yeah. But you can see it coming. We can definitely see it coming. So for us, we used to do a lot of just brute force translation at Galloway. It's just like a corporate document that yeah. is, uh, and we still do that. But those are the ones that uh, machines have gotten better at doing. Yeah. And there's still, I think, always going to be a human element involved. And it's really going to be working with the machines and reviewing what they put out. But the speed that the machines are improving is what's kind of saying to me, well, you know, we're good now. We still have a very uh, great client base and I know we do great work. But I would say five years, I can't see it right. being like that. And it may not even be next year at the, right. you know, using chat GPT to do other real estate marketing for me and things like that. The, the thought that it's able to put into it and the competence that it has is staggering to me. Yeah, we're finding the same thing. I mean, we're we're experimenting with it, having right short copy and it's it's astounding. I find you have to give it very specific cues. And and for me and my writing skills, I would say um, my talents is, is finding the mot juste, so to speak, and the, yeah. the just really hitting the words correctly that it's, it's maybe not there yet, but it's really good at organizing the thoughts. So I can say, I've got, I want to do this and this and this, I want to touch on this and then with this. And if you give it those instructions, and then the tone that you want it to do yeah. so. And it, it's remarkable how yeah. it can deliver on that. So the answer, I don't know. Um, I would say that in the past where I spent a lot of my time, well, let's say it was probably 65% managing the business and then, uh, you know, a, a good chunk chasing after a new business. Uh, now, a lot of my efforts have, have shifted into real estate because I just don't know that it's... Um, You're pivoting. You have to. Yeah, I don't I don't see our business being able to exist the way it does now in five years. So a question around that. What is the barrier to entry? I mean, I'm you know, I'm I'm usually talking to people that are on the pulse of this, right? Like you are with your business and we're we're looking at it because that because you have to. But is there a barrier to entry to your clients and other Joe Q public? Like, can they just do a search, get GPT for and, translation. Yeah, yeah. And like, is there any barrier to entry? Um, you know what I mean? Like well, it used to be video production, huge barrier to entry. Yeah. Not anymore. So it, it depends on what they are looking for. So if you just need a sentence translated or a paragraph or even a short or any, even a long document, you there are tools online that will do that for you now. Google right. Translate's always been there. There's some other yes. ones. The, the challenge is, and, and sort of where we exist, it's a bit different is we don't, we're doing mostly fairly sophisticated corporate work and especially public facing things. And oftentimes for people that really care about what it looks like in the other language. So if you just need to get the point across, the barrier to entry is gone. And, and but I think, you know, from what you're saying, 
you may be more relevant longer than you think because of it could be because knowing and i guess that's one of the things and one of the flaws right now with chat gpt say is that it will if it doesn't know the answer it'll make something up and then you don't know if you've got the right information you have some information and it's i, I think going to be a problem with overall misinformation and say that's an issue in the yeah. world as it is yeah so i guess one of our strength is being able to say oh well this isn't correct and this yeah. is well maybe that's functional but you've lost the intention here and it's the the message is lost. So I, I love that. I mean, you're adding value to that. You're taking what the client's giving and, you know, you're providing some expertise to it and or so an opinion. For that, I think that that will exist and that the role of translators will be there. But for me as a business owner, it just... It's not it just, enough. It's not enough. That's what yeah. it is. It just is chipped away at the margins. The wave is still coming. Yeah. yeah. We'll keep doing it. I think the company will continue to yeah. exist, but I just can't sit and watch it no. get chipped away. No. And, and the same thing is true of magazines. Like they still are out there. I, I yeah. love reading hope magazines. is not a strategy yeah that's right that was very good <laughs> that's great so let's get to your most recent passion you know which with regard to seeing what's happening there and then being a serial entrepreneur and constantly looking for new opportunities uh real estate how did you start to become interested in this field and what has that journey been like so far? Well, I would say it's even not necessarily a new passion, but I've just made it more at the forefront. So two things. My, my mother's father was an immigrant from Slovakia and he came here with nothing and he just started working. And then he had... He had gotten a house and had a bunch of tenants in there and he had basically small rooming houses. And he told me from a young age, he was just like, get into real estate. And I didn't even know what he meant by that. He's just like, get into real estate. And I didn't for many years. It was, I remembered him saying that. And then it kind of kickstarted for me. I was a, a renter and living in St. John's, Newfoundland. And the landlord said, hey, um, I'm selling the building. And it was at the time when St. John's was really booming. There was the oil production was yep. really big there. And it was hard to get an apartment. Yeah. And I kind of said, you know, maybe I could buy this place. Yeah. And it was back before they cracked down on the mortgage laws. Like I didn't have enough money and I didn't really have great credit. Yeah. And I got the last of the 35 year mortgages, which is, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. But I, I basically begged, borrowed and yeah. begged some more to uh, to get that place. Yeah. And it was just sort of like, a, I guess, a security net. Hey, that's I, I'd say, you know, I, I realized that purchasing homes is really difficult for a lot of people now it's way harder i don't know that i would be able to get started yeah now in the way that i was then i think you have to be much more deliberate with saving and kind of planning for it yeah but that's one of the, the toughest things about renting is when you don't have that control and and maybe this is i guess a sub theme as i'm hearing myself say this with being an entrepreneur and uh yeah just wanting to have that control and and more fear of leaving things out of my own hands that's it so I'd, I'd gotten into that and then I moved to Moncton and at the time houses were super cheap there. So I bought my first place there. It was $108,000 yeah. and um, basically sort of kept doing that. And yeah. and then all this stuff happened with my dad and, and kind of came to realize what the financial situation was. Yes. And then it really hit home that I was like, okay, I don't, I need to stay diverse. Yeah. Um, my approach, I, I realize landlord is kind of a dirty word these days and I'm not a, a big time 
landlord, but yeah. I do really, I've, I've never forgotten what it's like to be a tenant and yes. to be in that bad spot. So I always rent my places below market value. I like to really do everything I can to um, Karma. be kind yeah. to my, my tenants. And I, I am confident they would all say that I'm excellent yeah. as a That's great. property manager. And because I believe the money in it too is in the long term. Like I'm not yes. trying to make that extra money right now. I want them to be happy, take care of them because they're taking care of me. And they take care of your property for and you. Then, exactly. And well. um, it also, too, when someone's there and they have a good situation and they're happy, they're not going to bug you for little things. They're not going to be trying to stick it to you. They want to stay there. They want to keep it. And yeah. um, that's the same for me, too. Yeah. Common decency. Yeah. So I think that goes a long way everywhere in life. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, you can make friends and people will like you and yeah. just you'll have a better life if you treat people well. Quick story. I, I can remember when I bought, um, Suzanne and I were living on Agricola Street and we were looking at a place on Edinburgh. They just tore it down on the corner of Edinburgh and Windsor. Hogan was born there, my first son. Set of flats, had no money. And uh, I had the I didn't think we were going to do it. I think it was, it was, this was like in the late nineties and the price had gone down. It was a set of flats. I think it was for like 130 or 140,000. Right. Yeah. And, and I remember sitting in my living room, it was about nine 30 or 10 and the mortgage broker called me and she's like, are we going to get this done? And I'm like, well, I don't know what else to do. I don't have, she's like, well, you know, you've got to, we're going to do this. We're going to make this happen. And she lit a fire under me effectively. And we ended up getting, and then, you know, as you said, it just kind of snowballed from there. Getting over that hurdle, I think, you know, the fear of doing something and forcing yourself because the other direction is even less attractive, right? Going backwards. Yeah, I, I agree fully. And it, it is one thing that I will take some personal credit for is that, you know, no one uh, was pushing me to do this. No. Um, a lot of people, even my loved ones were kind of like, well, you're not very organized. Are you sure you're really ready for this? And I was like, no, I'm doing this. And I, I went out and made it happen. I remember to yeah. get that first house, I had to do one of the uh, like payday loans oh man thanks yeah me. it was oh, not, I know. I know. not great but um yeah and it was just like i'm doing this there's no yeah. way and fine tell me i can't that's gonna make I me love that. do it yeah. more yeah and so <laughs> yeah it's just kind of continued along there and then as i i guess into my path to being a, a licensed realtor what happened so i had sort of done this on my own and then i was also i'm, I'm a big fan of value and yeah. I, I like i don't like paying top dollar for things and uh, i've done a lot of work myself and it's all self-taught youtube is an amazing tool to it learn is. how to do the university of youtube yeah it's and, and i think there's yeah it's there's a lot of misinformation there sure. too but if you can watch enough and say okay this seems like it's working and maybe i don't like that so yeah i had i had done this and i converted a number of single family homes into two units so you were flipping or, or no re- i've never sold a house I interesting just you just hold get them, get people in there. I, I generally don't really even make a monthly profit on most of my buildings. Yeah. And I've got a couple that I, I have to supplement the rent yeah. myself, Yeah, but the tenants are happy and I see, okay, someday down the road, I'll, you know, oh, no benefit question. from this. No question. Huge benefit. And so I had started helping a few friends of mine who I could see were kind of like, oh, I'm kind of interested. And, and this is really what I think my next sort of passion is, is to, to help people reach their potential and to say, yeah. okay, well, you know, no one's going to hold your hand, but if you got someone telling you you can do it and maybe saying hey you know we talked about this last time like what are you doing not everyone responds to that but some people do Mm -hmm. and some people that's all they need is just someone saying hey you can do this yeah uh so i had started helping 
some people to say, okay, you want to buy a house? Like, let's do it. Let's go find something and looking to where the plumbing is in the house and where the exits are to see, okay, we can convert this into two right. units. So right. you, you move down into the basement, you put, you take the less, lesser of the two spots and you rent out the rest of the house for a period uh, of time. And that person's going to be paying most of your mortgage is probably cheaper than maybe not as much today, but it's, well, maybe even, but yeah. it's like, you know, for many people, it's the only way to do it. Yes. And so, and it takes some pressure off of it too, where you're not going to be completely strapped or just like up to your neck in yeah. um, uncertainty. So I, I was helping some people and then I was like, I was going to be buying another place. I was like, you know, I'm going to get my license because I, yeah. the realtors that I was working with too, in fact, my LinkedIn doesn't even say that I'm a, a realtor because so many of the agents that I encounter on a daily basis, yeah. it's just, it's unprofessional. Yeah. They don't have any kind of sense and they're just really trying to get paid. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, I want to be able to do this myself. And that was how it started. I just wanted to buy a place and to help some friends and contacts get yeah. their places. And then the word started to get out yeah. and people kept calling me and then all of a sudden it was like okay well you know most it's tough now you can spend a lot of time doing it and showing yeah. houses on the evenings and weekends and, and writing offers but there's so much competition that yeah it's um and that's one of the things that had kind of helped propel me into the more commercial focus yeah uh because commercial tends to operate more within the nine to five hours and deals take longer and there's a lot more moving parts to them yeah but, you know, I, I effectively have three and a half businesses right now. And yeah. It just is never ending. Yeah. And uh, balance is lacking from my life at the yeah. moment. So I'm just trying to, to uh, yeah, I turned 40 this year and it's like, okay, I need to, thank you. Not everyone gets to do that. So That's I know right. when people gripe about getting older, I'd say it's much better than the alternative. Still vertical. Yes. So talk about that balance thing. So you, you're creating these monsters as you do, you know, um, but you get to the point, right? I mean, I've been through this where it's like, oh my. I'm maybe not this. the best person to talk about the balance unless I can tell you how you got to be aware of it. I would say that contributed to my father's early demise. Yes. Um, now ultimately, you know, it was cancer. So who knows, but right. he did not have a good balance. And he also, I would say self-medicated with, um, scotch. Yeah. Um, and so I'm hyper aware of my own habits. I like to have yeah. a drink, but at the moment I'm just trying not to because yeah. I can see that path that, you know, 10 years goes by very quickly these days. So I'm aware of it. I'm trying to improve it. I've got some help now, which I haven't had ever before. So that really does make a difference. And I guess coming back to the control thing, it can be hard to delegate when you've been doing things on your own uh, for so long and yeah. that you kind of have that mentality of no one's going to do it for me. Well, the, the flip side of that is sometimes you got to let go. And oh, it's, absolutely. It's good. Yeah. I've gone through that myself with the with the hiring uh, two guys in the company and there you go. You, exactly. You go from everything is my decision to a whole it now i've got these other this other brain trust here now yeah. arguably more intelligent than i am and they have opinions and that could be helpful to the business so you need to have that you need you you need to trust your own instincts because i think that's what got you here but that ability to to intake other business uh, advice from people you're working with that you trust. Yeah, and it's, I'd say it's, it's a work it's in tough. progress. It's a work in progress, me, but, but it is very important. Yeah. And at a certain point, you try and do everything yourself and then it, everyone it's suffers. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Everyone around you suffers, right, when you try to do too much. So I've had, this has been a big change for me this year and letting go of a number of things that I've always kept in my hands on. Yeah. And I'm really working to do more of that. 
and that's better for you and it will allow you to grow. That's the the irony, I think, of that situation, that control, that control bot, right? I had my first vacation this year since 2014 where I didn't work. And yeah. uh, that was something that I've been hearing a lot about at home. My it's wife's funny, not I, pumped we, about that. Yeah, we've got one coming up. We're going to Italy in July. And uh, I think the, the feedback from the guys was finally. Yeah. You know, it's, you just get in a tunnel, right? And you don't want to fail. And you feel like if you take your foot off the gas, that might happen. So, yeah, well, let's see how it goes. Kudos to that. I, yeah. I think it's probably for me, I, I definitely didn't not look at my phone any days, but there was, yep. I would leave the, the condo and just be like, okay, I'm not, I'll look at this tonight. I'm yeah. not dealing with this all day. And that's, I slept better than I had slept in years. Honestly. Exactly. And and that's important because you were able to recharge. When do you find you do your best thinking? And I mean that in like my best thinking is at night walking the dog or in the shower or something like that. Yeah, I'm a night owl. And yeah. uh, definitely at night. Uh, my wife's an early morning person and it drives her nuts when I, she's just getting ready to go to bed. And I'm like at my peak and I yeah. want to bounce ideas off her. She's like, yes. you just need to chill. Go I know. I go through room. that with my wife. But yeah, I would say between like 9 and 11.30 yeah. is my... Because it's quiet. Time. And you really, it's, it's no one around. It's just you and you can dig into things. Yeah. And, uh, drives, probably drives the team crazy because I mean, I can be sending texts at like 11.30. But in the moment, it's just, an, you know, it's an idea that you want to yeah, get And out. you got to do too. I've, I've, it's taken me a while to embrace that. And I think since the pandemic, especially people are now more, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but the perception I think about uh, sort of a typical working hours or methods is people are maybe more open to it. Yeah. I, not that it's ever been a big thing for me. Like I've just been doing my own thing for a long time. But yeah. It's, uh, I don't pay much attention to the clock sometimes, but what has been the, your, your biggest driving force throughout the years? I know we've kind of touched on this a bit, but what's, 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 where's the fire come from? I'd say family first and foremost. Uh, I'm definitely really tight with my family. I have a big family and I uh, That's beautiful. really work on just maintaining relationships and they're very, very important to me. Yeah. And even though I get wrapped up in the business, um, it's still something that I, I, I have to take a step back sometimes and say, this is why I'm doing it. Yeah. But that is, so certainly that's it. Staying connected with the tribe. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I would tack my good friends in there i've got a, a yeah. good circle of friends and like close relationships with people uh, and and just relationships in general i think a lot of my business it's so important though you from, know yeah that, and that's just straight luck right and what you've done to foster that but i feel the same way like having that family strong family unit and friends and when things don't you. go well too and yeah. you, you get into a funk and you know the brain is going bad places if you can disconnect and kind of take stock of the people that are in your life and that are there for you that's um, there's a lot of power and energy in that. Yeah. It's remarkable. I've said this so many times, but I, I still believe it. A good night's sleep is so important. It can change everything. You know, That's, I can be like the end of the yeah. day and I'm like, that didn't go right. That didn't go right. I don't know what the hell we're going to do with that. I get up in the morning and it's kind of like the fog is cleared and there's clarity somehow. And all it was was a night's sleep. I struggle with sleeping. That's one that I, I would say I don't generally sleep well. But um, yes, I would uh, like to hear more about it. I mean, you know, even if you don't sleep well, I just find there's there's something about that break. Like, I think that there's so much you only have so much capacity in a day to do things. And when things are difficult near the end of the day, experience tells me it's better just to put it aside and to get up in the morning and look at it. And it's a completely different, a lot of cases, it's, it's a completely it's very different. very true. Yeah. Because yeah, your to, brain is just only has so much 
right. Awesome. You got a new day. What are you going to do? Uh, that was a big lesson from my dad. He was someone who, you know, a self-made guy. He grew up and uh, was the first generation to go to any kind of post-secondary education. And, right. Um, Amazing. To, to be an entrepreneur, like that wasn't happening in his world. And he didn't have a lot of patience sometimes for pity, self-pity kind of thing. Not yeah. for other people, but he was like, oh, this went wrong. He's like, okay, well, cry about it. Get yeah. over it. Then what are you going to do? Yeah. And that's in his absence. Like I, I always know what his advice would be. He's like, okay, well, just deal with it. Wallow for a minute, but not for very long. And then, I mean, maybe you know, take a night or a yeah. couple nights. But then at the end of the day, you got to get back up. And yeah. what are you going to do? Like, and and nobody knows the answer. The right answer is what you choose to do. But you have to choose something. Yeah. And, um, I think that's definitely been a big lesson for me is, is like, okay, well I lost this client or whatever happened. Maybe right. it was even no fault of my own. I need to find a new one. Well, pick up the phone. Yeah. And, uh, that yeah. was his sales style. And I think mine as well as I'm a big phone call kind of guy. Yeah. And that, that's the other thing as part of that. Like you can have days where it's like, I'm, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like this is just, everything's going wrong. But the next day when you're an entrepreneur or someone that likes to work for themselves, you find something it's like, no, let's have another go at this. Or a different way. Because yeah. what, what else are you going to do? Are you going to go back and work for somebody? This Nine is, to five? I don't think I've, so. I've done a couple stints where I'd taken where business wasn't happening. And so I, I did uh, plumbing work for a while, even though I'm not a plumber. And I'd, yeah. I'd kind of briefly taken an office job at this commercial spot trying to learn the gig. But yeah. again, it, it was hammered home once again that I'm not a very good employee. Not, not a employee. great employee. No, I am. Uh, but, you know, the means to learn there, it, it definitely opened up doors and an understanding that I wouldn't have otherwise had. Yeah. And I think the difference between my dad and I was he was just like, no, I'm going to do everything I can to keep this business afloat. I will continue to be self-sufficient. Interesting. But if a day yeah. comes that I'm like, this isn't working anymore and it's taking more than it's giving, then I'm going to pull the plug or yeah. at least be putting my energies elsewhere. So you've maybe learned from, from serving your dad that pivoting is very important. Yeah, I would say that's probably one of the top lessons in that, I, you know, you said that there's no one's going to do it for you. No and one's that, coming. That's the, the same yeah. truth for um, another thing that was sort of an ad sales mantra that it sounds very obvious, but maybe always isn't. But it's like, where is the money at? And so I, you know, talked as I trying to talk to people about starting businesses and encouraging them. Sometimes people get an idea and it's a maybe an invention or something. And they're like, this is cool. And they want that. And it's like, okay, that is cool. But is there money in it? Yes. And if you're going to spend your limited time and energy on doing something, um, you a want to believe in it and be passionate about it, but also like, is there money in it? Yeah. And that's my concern, I guess, with the translation going forward is that there's there's money in it, but will there still be in some years? I don't know. But that, that's maybe true for many things that have not been an issue before, like even coding and being a lawyer and art yes. and all these things that. So there's, I would say, some possibility that we see a, just a wild shift that it it's probably the first thing conceivable that could really upset capitalism almost uh, when you have a machine that can just outproduce workers and people. Yeah. 
I hope that's not the case, but I guess I don't know. I know we don't. It's a brave new world. Last question. Where do you see yourself in five years, 10 years? It's a great question, I guess. Um, I think that my, my end game goal is to influence and help support. Influence isn't the right word, but basically to, if I can get through to one person to say, hey, you know, you lost your job or something's changed and you think you can do this, you can go out on your own or you've got an idea yeah, and you can do it and they go and do that and empower them, that would be, that's the best for me. If that's, I could. A, that's amazing. So there's, there's, it's interesting in your answer. There's nothing transactional about that. You're just, your goal. I want to have enough money that I can live. I don't live a sure. super fancy lifestyle. I don't need a lot of money. Um, and, you know, I want to have some comfort and to be able to do things. And yes have a couple little toys, but nothing crazy. Uh, I want to be able to go swimming at Lawrencetown. And yeah. if I can do that and then to genuinely help people be yeah. better versions of themselves, even yeah. a little bit, and to to have that kick in the butt to go chase what they want to do, that's, I've, I've accomplished everything if uh, I could do that. Man, I think that's a no-lose formula. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, things can change really quickly. Yeah. And um, ultimately- But your perspective is is uh, rock solid. Well, You're focused on that. the right it's, thing, uh, I think so. Yeah. Just have some fun too while you're yes. doing it. That's the yeah. other thing is that this really, it's, it's easy in the entrepreneurial world, I think, to get sucked into the stress of it and the pressure. And at the end of the day, it's like, okay, this is, this should be fun. Yeah. I, you know, we do a lot of work here on occasion in healthcare and, and for doctors and nonprofits. And I don't think there's a better feeling when you, when you've evolved a skills and then those skills can directly help other people in our case, produce messages and video and photography that helps truly helps people man that's great that's it i, you know, I mean we work for other lotteries and things and that's great too but when you can actually apply your skills to move the needle in a positive way yeah great. so, th and so that's, that's the same too i'm also not in a position to necessarily be picking my clients right now that we take what comes uh through the door yeah um and not all of them or necessarily that that no nope. uh but yeah yeah if i could I, i'd say even no, one person time, to get a one person to do something better for themselves yeah and if i could do lots that would be the best yeah we just did a video for northwood they're fundraising to get a new bus to take their residents out so we did a video tracking we interviewed some of the residents and we had them go in in the bus that they had to rent you know simple little video but such a great feeling my grandfather who said get into real estate he spent his last uh year of his life at northwood and I incredible community there it is and um that's i think something that people should be mindful of is that there's a there's a lot more to life than yes than some of the things that occupy a lot of your energy i guess and and i could talk endlessly to some of these elderly people they they're just so interesting to me they have so much life experience right yeah it's um well i guess here's to uh making it through exactly Exactly. <laughs> Listen, I want to thank you for making the time. This oh, is great. It's my great pleasure. It's been a great chat and you have so much going on that uh, pertains to stuff that we do. So I wish you the best of success. Well, thank you. Forward. And same to you. I'm a big fan of the show and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Right on. That's it for us. Thank you. Before we sign off, we want to give a big thanks to our sponsor, Patterson Outdoor. They are Canada's largest out-of-home advertising company, and they offer a wide range of advertising solutions for businesses of all sizes. Whether you're looking to promote your brand on billboards, transit ads, or digital screens, Patterson Outdoor has you covered. To learn more, head over to pattersonoutdoor.com. 
And to our listeners, we hope you found this episode helpful. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media to learn more about our advertising community. Until next time, keep it creative.